The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. Good morning, Mile High. Oh, boy, is it good to be here. I'll tell you, I've been looking forward to this, and uh, I I can't tell you um, how much my wife Diane and I love Roger and Erica. You couldn't have better friends, and uh, we have been friends for a long time, per partners, and... uh, uh, he's a great, great leader, as you know. Uh, you have a beautiful place here. You have a beautiful staff, an amazing ministerial team, great music team. Uh, you've got it made. This is the creme de la creme. <laughs> uh, <laughs> great to be here. Um, it reminds me, you know, I'm, I'm a guest speaker today, and uh, it reminds me of a, a friend of mine who just uh, actually shared a personal story with me. He was a guest speaker at our church, um, about 10 years ago, actually, and uh, he spoke on a midweek service on a Wednesday. And so my associate uh, minister, uh, Patricia, was the one that handled Wednesday night, so she got his title from him. And I uh, can't recall the topic it was, but he gave some topic with the word sin in it. And she kind of guided him and said, you know, you may want to come up with another title, because uh, sin's kind of just a heavier word for us in New Thought, and I want to move beyond that. And uh, so I said, okay. And uh, so he came up with a title for his topic, It's No Big Deal. So, uh, <laughs> so he didn't realize the effects of that topic, or that title, until he drove up to the church after a couple of days uh, of this on the marquee, which said, um, uh, Ro- what's Roger's last name, Roger? No, not this Roger. <laughs> this other guy's name was Roger, too. What was it? Jerry Roberts. Yeah, that's right. So it said, um, Jerry Roberts, to guests speak, no big deal. <laughs> So he, was, he remembered that. He was telling me that. And it was about 12 years ago. So we remember those things. You know. So did, uh, do you remember the, the band, uh, singing group, uh, thir- Three Dog Night? Okay. And uh, some of their hits. Okay. There was one hit uh, that went, One is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. So you got it because I don't want to sing it again. Anyway, you know, just, just listen to those words. One is the loneliest number that you will ever do. And it couldn't be more wrong. One is the most powerful word. It is the most all-inclusive word that you'll ever do. To be one with the one is, is what it's about. It's what you and I are here for. You know, in the teachings of Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, other avatars, enlightened beings, masters, mystics, Uh, sacred texts, if you study all of them at at the core, the essence of all of them is oneness. And it's saying that the most important work that you and I have to do at this time or any time, simply on our lifetime on earth, that we're here to learn, we're here to grow, and the big thing is into oneness. So, yeah, I wrote a book. It's called One Plus One is One. My grandson, who was learning arithmetic at the time, said, Papa... One multiplied by one is one. One divided by one is one. But one plus one is two. Get with it, uh, Papa. (laughs) And so, yeah, earth math 
in the realm of duality, one plus one is two. But a universal spiritual principle says one plus one is always one. Jesus said that principle, I and the Father are one. That was it right there. One plus one is one. I and any dimension of the one creation that he referred to as Father at that moment is one. One plus one will always be one. As long as you know that you are one with the all that is. Very powerful to get there. And so right here, right now, where you're seated, in this moment in time, the one intelligence, the one loving force, the one unified field is right where you are, this moment. And it's a felt presence that you can feel as you go to your heart, not just to your head, but it's like you are embraced and immersed in an energy of life and love. And it matters not where you are in this realm or any other realm, it's there for you. Now there is a piece of writing by a Greek philosopher 500 years before Christ. And it is very powerful in that it is very clear in how it addresses God and oneness. And it was so popular or so well thought of that actually Voltaire talked about it and he was given credit for it in the 18th century. And then the Christian mystic Meister Eckhart later on was given credit for it. But it really goes back to a man, a Greek philosopher named Empedocles. And what he said is that God is a circle whose center is everywhere and whose circumference is nowhere. Isn't that beautiful? It says it all. God is a circle whose center is everywhere. That right now, this moment, the allness, the fullness of God is right where you're seated. You can go anywhere in this cosmos and the center of God can be felt. It is equally distributed through all space and time. The circumference, it has no boundaries. It's infinite. You are inside the circle of an infinite presence and power. And I love to think of that circle on a regular basis and, and continue to affirm and know I, I live in this circle. I can't get out of the circle of God and I don't want to. But it's a beautiful thing uh, to be aware of. And so the will of God for you and me is to guide us into a conscious awareness of oneness with all that is. That's what the work of the will of God is. And that's always calling us um, to that. And basically what you've all learned already, I know that you know and you've heard this, is that the one problem that humanity faces, whether it's uh, the individual or the family or the world as a whole, is a sense of separation. So that what we're all about is actually moving towards oneness. It's what we're called to do. That is our purpose. That is our curriculum. That is our task. That is our function. That is the most important work that we have to do. And so today I want to talk about three things that have to do with um, oneness and awakening into oneness. And these are essential for, in, in my estimation, but you will think of others. But these are the three. And there isn't anything I can tell you today that you don't know. This is about reminders and deepening. And we're all simply going deeper. But the three things are your spiritual identity, your true identity, a conscious connection, and love, the three essentials. So, personal identity. There's a fellow that had on his answering machine a recording that was kind of different, unique. And so when you dialed him up, 
uh, of the recording came on, and it said, this is not, it's, hello, it starts with hello, <laughs> hello, this is not an answering machine, this is a questioning machine, and these are the questions, who are you, what do you want, and if you think these are trivial questions, consider that most people live their whole lives without ever finding out the answer. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> so, today I'd like for us to consider the questions that we ask ourselves, because we are, in relation to our personal identity, our spiritual identity, who we think we are. And so, you know, questions are important. Uh, if we're on the quest, we can be asking questions, but it's a matter of asking the right questions, really. There's all the chattering going on in our minds, and so we need to know what is the right question to ask. And actually, it was Albert Einstein who said something very powerful. He said that if I had an hour to solve a problem and, to solve a problem and my life depended upon it, I would first spend the first 55 minutes determining what was the proper question to ask. And once I have determined what the proper question is to ask, I can solve that problem in less than five minutes. And so he put all the emphasis on us asking ourselves the right question in terms of all of life, really. It's a very powerful insight, isn't it? And so the nature of our mind is always asking questions, chitter-chatter going on, asking us questions. Many of the questions are revolve or start with the word, you know, who, where, why, how. But mostly it's who. Most of the questions have to do with who am I? And underneath that, those questions are asked consciously, unconsciously in, in a number of ways. The who am I is basically, am I okay? Am I measuring up? Do I fit in? Does who I am get to be loved? Does who I am get to be approved? Am I good enough? So there are questions going on a whole lot as we're growing up and through much and most of our life, many of them are who questions. And the thing you need to know is that who, who you are, who you are fluctuates. It varies, okay? That essentially it can have to do with personality. It can have to do with our moods, our attitudes, our states of mind. It can have to do with, you know, we can be mad, sad, glad, it can vary from minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day, as to who we are being and showing up in this life. It can have to do with outer appearances. Who we think we are has to do with the physical dimensions of the things we surround ourselves with, even the things that we wear. I have a, a precious granddaughter named Dylan. She's now seven, but when she was four, she, was, she loved costumes, so she couldn't wait for Halloween and she had watched the cartoons in the series on Wonder Woman. So she wanted a Wonder Woman costume. So they went out and got it, and she couldn't wait for Halloween. So when she came back home, her, she had to let her, have her mom help her get into the costume of Wonder Woman. So she's in the costume. And once she's in it, she looks at her mom, and she kind of seriouses up, and she goes... <laughs> Nothing happened. She looked at her mom, kind of puzzled. She geared up again. Mama, I know fly. 
I don't fly. She thought the costume, of course, had power and would allow her to fly. But more than that, many of our lives think that the things we surround us externally really determine somehow who we are and will help us fly and make us complete. Nothing is wrong with those things. Makes life great and so forth. But we have to move beyond the who, really. We sometimes label ourselves and others in various ways. Attractive, unattractive, smart, not so smart, young, old. Two guys, good friends. Always would get together once a year, have lunch. And they lived about... Uh, each was about an hour and a half, two hours out of, a, out of town, out of the city. So they would meet in the city from their different sides and come and have lunch once a year, maintain their friendship. And they'd always go to a different restaurant. So they got together this one time. They'd been doing this for many years. And uh, they came into this restaurant and it was, they'd beat the lunch crowd and there weren't hardly many people at all seated. And they sat down and they weren't there very long. And the one guy looked up from his menu and he said, you see those two old guys over there? That's what we're going to look like in 10 years. His friend looked up and he said, that is us, that's a mirror. (laughs) You know, it was Ernest Holmes who said, life is a mirror and will reflect back to the thinker what he thinks into it. So it's something for us to remember. So we think that who we are is a body, who we are is our career or our job, who we are is our home or our car, our status, our accomplishments, achievements, our bank accounts. But none of that, none of that is what we are. That's who we are. The question, the one question to ask, that's my lesson title, by the way, the one question is a what question? What am I? Who is temporary? Who can be one way yesterday and another tomorrow? It can be unforgiving and then forgiving. It can be, but what you are as a child of God is permanent. It's you. You are held firmly, steady, with certainty by the Creator that created you, whole and complete. Whole and complete and perfect, eternal. You are love, you are joy, you are peace. You're all that and more. You are one with all that is. You always have been. And you just haven't found totally that part or awakened to it fully. That's the journey we're on. And so we are a divine being. In fact, going to Ernest Holmes again, Ernest said to the soul that knows its own divinity, all else must gravitate. That means to the soul who knows its divinity, it knows it's, it's connected. It's at one with all that is. And therefore, prosperity, healing, you name it, all the other principles fall in line under one plus one is one. It all gravitates and flows to you. But we all have an ego, and uh, we created the ego. God created the spirit that we are. We are spirit. And um, ego is a separate self, is that part of us that focuses on the who and keeps focusing on the who because it's always measuring ourselves, comparing ourselves, judging ourselves. Who are we in relation to that or them or this? Always into the who. But the Holy Spirit. You see, we have only two voices 
We only have two choices. Either listen to the voice of the ego, which is about separation, or the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit never commands, it never demands. It only invites and asks you to listen. It asks you to be still and know with certainty who you are. Be still and know that I am God. There's a part of you that wants to be still and know that I am part of God. As the drop is of the ocean, the drop in no way does not have to, or, or can, can always say, I am the ocean. I am God. I am of God. I'm with God. I'm one with God. I'm one with the one. That's where we are to go with that. And it's more powerful to be able to go to the what over the who because to ask yourself that question and have vigilance on that, it, it moves you. You want the what to become the who. And so you want your spiritual identity to be about what you are and to continue to affirm that again and again. It opens you up to um, the, the, the power and uh, transcends any, any limitation. The Course in Miracles. Some of you studied the Course in Miracles. On what we're talking about, there's a passage there, and Jesus, um, you know, presents in there in first person. And one of the things that he said is, the Holy Spirit answers truly for all time. The Holy Spirit answers truly for all time. Hear then the one answer of the Holy Spirit to all questions the ego raises. You are a child of God, a priceless part of his kingdom. And in the kingdom, where you are and what you are is perfectly certain. There is no doubt. That's very powerful. All answers is to hear that from within, to know the what. Carl Jung, great psychologist, he said we have two phases to our lives, sort of two halves. The first half is learning to cope, uh, to develop a a personality, an identity, um, and an ego. The second half, or the second phase of our life, is to undo the ego. Okay, and um, that's not easy. I mean, we all have an ego. I have an ego, um, and sometimes I don't like who I am, but I know that's not what I am. And no matter how the who shows up, that's oftentimes about the past, or even worried about the future. But in the moment, I choose to be what I am. If I can remember that, I was uh, last September. I left pulpit ministry. About four months after that, I went to attend a CSL convention, uh, Centers for Spiritual Living. Now, I had had 41 years as a minister, 34 years in Houston, and I just handed off four months earlier to a wonderful guy, Michael Gott, who I prayed into being during my ministry and handed off to him, and he's doing fabulous and wonderful. Love him. Um, so here I am at this conference, and it's made up of ministers and non-ministers, so nobody knows for sure who is and who isn't, although I knew some of the ministers from there. In the morning, you'd have a buffet, breakfast, and you'd go sit at, in a room with tables that had seated tents. So I sat down one morning, and another guy sat down and said, what's your name? He said, Peter. I said, uh, you minister? He said, yeah, in Iowa. So he said, what's your name? I said, Howard Caesar. No response. You don't know who I am, huh? I, I mean, I didn't really think that, but the next question. 
Maybe I did. I don't know. But the next question was, so what church are you associated with? And I said, Unity of Houston. He said, Michael, God's church? (laughs) 34 years, four months, Michael. (laughs) Wham. I slammed into my who. And uh, I had to really search out and find and declare my what to steady me. You will always be steadied if you are vigilant in remembering what you are. Because when you take yourself to what, it's a whole other frequency and vibration. And so there's a, a writing, uh, Gospel of Thomas, didn't make it into the Bible, but has some gems. And one of the things in the Gospel of Thomas that Jesus said was this. If you bring forth what you are, what you are will save you. If you do not bring forth what you are, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. And that was powerful. And what he was saying is, if you really don't find the what that you are, the gem, the beauty, the, the one with the one that you are, you will have yearning and longing and discontent and unfulfillment. You will be, you know, denying yourself the love, the peace, the joy that is the bliss of the oneness of what you are. That's what he was saying so powerfully. Know thyself. Those are the two words. Fred Vogt, wonderful minister and teacher here for many years. I got to know him through being on the board of the Big Sky Retreat. And I can remember in his later years, overhearing or being with him when he was having conversation with several people. And he said, I've been around a long time, taught a lot of this truth forever. He says it all comes down to two words. Our curriculum is know thyself. Heavy on the thy. Very powerful. Charles Fillmore, co-founder of Unity, his favorite verse was in Colossians, where it says, the mystery which has been hidden for ages and generations, which is Christ in you, your hope of glory. And he zeroed in on Christ in you, your hope of glory. And he, he loved that because it reminded him of what he was, the what that he was. He was a Christ. He was divine. He was one with the one. And that's where he wanted to go. Ernest Holmes says, what you are looking for is the what you are looking with. So, even Jesus, again, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? He asked the disciples, and they said, some say John the Baptist, Elias, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter blurted out, not with a who, but with a what, and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus was ecstatic. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Father within. The what in you revealed the what in me. And on this rock I will build my church. The sanctuary within is where you will find what you are. So, the second essential has to do with conscious connection. Relationships are all of life. All of life are relationships. Two ingredients that make relationships really significant and things that we should work on. One ingredient is communication. And the other is quality time. And so if 
God is our source and our most important relationship. We want to be in communication. Communication means to come to union. Communion. And uh, be in communication and have quality time. That means to have your intention focused on giving attention to communication with the source through meditation and contemplation and any other Asian's words. (laughs) We are always connected to the divine stream of all good. You are always connected to the divine stream of all good. Whether you're consciously aware of it or not, that is the case. A friend of mine who shared a story about when he was six years old, it was a long time ago, his parents took him to Disneyland. He said, never forgot. And uh, back then he, he said they, they put him in a, on a ride, and the ride was a boat. And the boat went through canals and uh, swerved around. Uh, you had to steer around rapids and waterfalls and all these hazards. And so he was in the boat alone and it rumbled with an engine and he thought his parents were being a little irresponsible, even though he was six. (laughs) But he was excited and he was on for it, so he jumped in and the thing took off. And so now he's rumbling along and he's steering that baby through those canals and around those rapids and hazards and so forth and really doing well. Uh, What he didn't know was... Out of sight, underneath the boat, there was a track. (laughs) And it was guiding the course of his life, or guiding him through the channel safely. And we have that, even times where we're not consciously aware of it, we may not even in the moment have asked for it, it's there. There's a track that's leading us, you know, to what is next, to grow through, to learn through. Our daughter, our youngest daughter, was in a car accident as a sophomore in college at Texas Tech, Lubbock. It was late at night, and her Honda Civic collided head-on with a Chevy truck. She was life-flighted to the hospital there, and when they got her there and opened her up, they found that the hepatic artery had been severed. That's the artery that connects the heart to the liver. No one survives that. They bleed to death in five minutes. She had somehow made it there because magically and mystically, it had laid against one another, even though it was torn apart, and had somehow kept the minimum amount of blood, blood in her to get her to the hospital. So they shot transfusions in her. And the next problem was, how do we do the surgery? Because it's a very small connection, very hard to get at, very complex. No one survives it. They knew The surgeons didn't know how to do it, or anyone who had done the surgery that might have somehow rarely survived that kind of a, a, a serious injury. So they got on the internet, and somehow they found two surgeons in San Francisco that had done this rare surgery and somebody had survived. They were able to locate them at the wee hours of the night, actually get them up, get them on the phone, and guide them over the phone through several hours of the surgery and save our daughter's life. Wow. And she's now a nurse in Houston. She was on a track. We're on a track. The third essential is love. Of course, you know the power of love. He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. You're one with the one through love. It's the most powerful energy that there is. And 
It breaks all barriers. It unites all people together. Breaks all barriers. It brings the what out. The what you are is love. One last story. In 2008, there was a um, NCAA uh, major girls softball uh, playoff contest uh, championship. And it was between Western Oregon and Central Washington. And so they were playing this game and they were in the late innings for a championship. And um, two people got on base uh, for Washington. And uh, a little gal named Sarah came up to bat. She's only 5'2". She'd been in a slump, only three hits in the last 34 times of bat. So she was kind of like, I don't know about this. And I got two people on base in late innings, and this is the championship. Second pitch, she crushed it over the left field fence. Now, little Sarah, being 5'2 and kind of petite, had never, ever hit a home run in practice, let alone in a game and in the biggest game she had ever played in her life. Well, she started running the bases, and she was so happy, she missed first base. (laughs) That's okay. She realized it. You just go back, tag the bag, continue on, and you get your home run. She planted and turned and tore her cruciate ligament, an anterior cruciate ligament, fell down, in pain, couldn't move. So now it was like, okay, do their coaches put in a pinch runner? Takes away a home run, ends up being a single. The first baseman on the imposing team was named Mallory. And she said, before you do that, ask the umpires. We know that her team can't help her. Can we help carry her around the bases? That be within the rules? The umpire said, yeah, would. So Mallory called in her shortstop, Liz, and Liz and Mallory, and Mallory picked up Sarah and began to carry her around the bases. Three intertwined physically and spiritually as one. By the time they got to second base, the whole crowd was on their feet applauding because they were beholding the what, acknowledging the what, not the who. By the time they got to first base, people were crying because there was something inside of them that were able to behold that as being beautiful and wonderful in what the way it's supposed to be. The world hungers for oneness, and there it was being demonstrated. Mallory left her who, which wanted to win a championship game, and said, that little gal hit a home run, and she deserves to have it, and carried it around. What well, was an internet, internet sensation. They were on the Ellen DeGeneres show, all three of them, shortstop, first base, and Sarah. And Garth Brooks, at a concert, brought them up on stage, tried to tell the story, and, and began weeping. He couldn't get through it. It's a very powerful thing. Love. I've shared a lot here around oneness, and one other avenue of resource that I have found valuable are people who have had near-death experiences, or experience, usually you only have one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't want want a flat line twice. um, In any event, many of them come back and they share tidbits of realizations and insights that tell us about how it is. They validate what we know, and I love that. And so I will share with you five from uh, those researchers that I have researched in a God study. And these are people that experienced God and, and the message that they came back with. And here's, here's one realization this person had is love is the one thing we're all here to learn. Another, it is not possible to be separated from God because we're all part of God. God spoke to me from in the light. 
the gist of it was, you don't really know yourself, do you? Next, we are already what we are trying to attain. And the last one I'll share, of the many that I have read. Words are hard to describe the oneness with all state of being that I entered. Any of you want to enter the oneness with all state of being? You don't have to give up the body to do it. That's what we're here for. That's our main function. So the three essentials we said are your spiritual identity, your conscious connection, love. The one question to ask and be vigilant on, what am I? And answer the question and allow the what to become the who. Let oneness become your way of life. It could be your greatest achievement in this life. God bless you.